Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. As you may know, CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Being Boss, hosted by Emily Thompson. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be a boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I enjoyed listening in as Amy, along with her guest, Nikki Nash, discussed very practical ways to create a marketing plan that works. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to CEO School, everyone. I am so excited for today's incredible guest and fireside chat speaker today, Amy Porterfield. I have been trying to get Amy on the show here for, I think, over a year, and we just haven't been able to make calendars align, honestly. It's just been, this is what happens when you have two incredibly busy women doing amazing things. And Amy is not only a dear friend, but a mentor of mine, somebody that I've been looking up to for so many, so many years. And I'm just so excited to have her here with us today to get to know her story, her background, her journey to the 2% club, but most importantly, learning tactical tips on how we can get there too. So we're in for such a treat. And by honestly, Amy, welcome, welcome, welcome to CEO school. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. So thanks so much for having me. I am so excited. And if you haven't heard of Amy Porterfield, you're living under a rock or you just don't go on Instagram. Uh, but Amy Porterfield is an entrepreneur who has a top 50, top 10, I think marketing podcast show. Um, and it's one of the best resources for online marketers. So it's marketing made easy. And it's all about scaling and building your company, a digital company. And Amy is honestly the guru of course creation. She was one of the first pioneers in the space, and she has helped thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs worldwide start and scale their courses. Amy also is just not only a, uh, just an incredible human. She's, she lives in Nashville, uh, incredible husband and dog mom as well. And she is also on the journey of, uh, her new or her book that is going to be launching as well. So Amy is somebody that I learn from every single day, um, her accolades. I mean, she's been featured in every magazine from entrepreneur to Forbes. She's made every list ever. And she's also a fellow podcast host within the HubSpot network. So today I'm so excited to introduce to you Formally, I think it's our first, we had Jenna on the show, but this is formally my first ever co-hosted HubSpot 
uh, entrepreneurial show. So Amy, welcome again. And thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you. What a, what an intro. Thanks so much for having me. My most favorite thing to do is talk to other women, uh, entrepreneurs or aspiring women entrepreneurs. It's my favorite group. So this is going to be a treat. No, I'm, I'm so pumped. I mean, Amy, let's, you know, kind of kick us off with your background and your story. I'd love to hear about your journey as an entrepreneur. Where did it get started and how did you kind of fall into the, you know, the course space? So I always say I'm an ex-corporate girl turned accidental entrepreneur because I always thought I would be working in corporate. I worked for Harley Davidson at the dealership levels, moved on to work for peak performance coach, Tony Robbins, and that was the last corporate job I had. I was with them for almost six years and I was the director of content development, which meant I got to travel the world with Tony and work on the content that he did on stage at events like Unleash the Power Within and Date with Destiny. If you know Tony, you know those events. But what happened was one day he had uh, brought in a bunch of internet marketing gurus, essentially. And we were in the San Diego office. He brought all these, all men, all these guys in because Tony was doing more in the online space and he was curious about their business. By the way, I'm, I'm going to pause you. You're just like Tony. Like, you're just like, oh, it's, <laughs> oh. it's great. Yeah. Tony Robbins. Yeah. I probably should be a little careful of that a little flippant, <laughs> but yeah. So Tony Robbins brought in a bunch of these guys and they, he went around the table and he's like, tell me about your businesses. And I was brought into the meeting to take notes. That's how humbling it was. I was at a separate table and I was taking notes and these guys went around one by one to talk about their online businesses. And they were from all different walks of life, teaching all different things, dating, finances, real estate, all these different topics. Every one of them had a digital course and every single one of them talked about lifestyle freedom. That's all I heard when they talked about their businesses, lifestyle freedom, creativity, freedom, financial freedom. And I thought I am so far from being free right now. It's not even funny. I've always had a boss. And in that moment, I thought I need to figure out how to have my own business. I have to figure this out. I want more freedom more than anything in the world. So it was about a year from that fateful meeting that I actually decided to take the leap and start my own business. The first two years were a disaster. I created a business I hated. I didn't make a lot of money. But after the first two years, I finally got my groove, started creating digital courses to teach online marketing, and it exploded. And now today I'm best known for how to take your expertise and knowledge and know-how and turn that into a profitable digital course. So now I teach other people how to do what I created. I mean, you made that sound so easy breezy. And I kind of <laughs> want to, I want to go back in there and talk about, you know, having that course, I think many of us as entrepreneurs really do start working, you know, for somebody else, seeing a problem or seeing an opportunity. And I love that your opportunity wasn't necessarily fixing a problem. It was the lifestyle. And you were like, I'm really attracted to this freedom that everyone's talking about. And those are two, like, that's one of two reasons why I think, you know, uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, our biggest wishes of when we're starting a business is freedom of time and freedom of dollar. Those are definitely the two reasons why I started the business. And then of course, having that purpose as well, otherwise the business doesn't succeed. How did you come about finding that purpose? Because it looks like when you started, how did you even know what to get started in? And, you know, what was your expertise at the time? What happened within the two years that you wish you knew now to help prevent others that are kind of in that similar boat starting off? How are, you know, what can, what can we learn from your mistakes in that first two years? Oh yes, yeah, so much. So in my first two years, I 
I ventured out on my own thinking I want to create digital courses and I want to sell them online. I knew I wanted to teach and sell online to the masses, but I had no idea how to create a digital course. So what I did instead is I started to take a bunch of clients and I did social media for small businesses. I had known that, I had done that at Robbins. So it was like, okay, this is what I know, I can make money with this. So I rushed into this idea of, I can make money this way and realized quickly, I hated it. I didn't like working one-on-one -on -one with clients. There was only so much money you can make, only one of you and many of them. I was young and didn't know how to set boundaries. That was another huge mistake I made. So I got into a boss trap. I call it a boss trap because I went out to be on my own, but then I let my clients be my bosses and they bossed me around at all hours of the day, had incredible demands on me. And I said yes to everything out of desperation. What if I lose a client? What if I don't have enough clients? So a few lessons that I learned in my first two years that other people do not have to repeat is number one, get clear on what you really want to create. It will morph and shape and change over the years, but don't do something out of pure desperation that you've got to move away from this. So I'm just going to do whatever I can to do this right now, because you can actually get into a really deep, dark hole of, oh my gosh, I created this for two years and I don't want this. So take a moment to really understand what you want to do and how you want to do it. And you can figure out anything. You don't have to just jump into what you know right now. So you can learn anything you want to learn to create anything you want in your business. I believe that. Another thing is get really clear on your boundaries. What are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? Because as you leave a nine to five job and you step into more freedom, you can create walls all around you without boundaries. You can be working all hours of the day, into the night, all weekends. You could have way too many clients and not enough time to help them. Boundaries are something that we usually don't have in the beginning of starting our businesses. And it's that one thing that we need more than anything. I love that. And I wish, honestly, I would have taken that advice my first two years as well. And honestly, some of those things I'm still working on, especially when you talk about from a boundary standpoint, I think some of these things are, we're constantly having to learn and adjust. And, you know, it's also important, you know, something that I do want to kind of challenge on a little bit. I agree with boundaries fully, but also, especially in the first years of building your business, there is a lot of trial and error too. Yes. So before you come in and I see a lot of entrepreneurs and we're having a lot of discussions on freedom and lifestyle and boundaries, which I wholeheartedly agree with, but I also want to be realistic of what it actually takes to go build a business. And, and it also requires sometimes those long nights and those weekends. And it makes it easier if you know your, your purpose, or if you know, like th this is what you really want to do, or you're seeing like the needle move, then we should be doing it. But I think when boundaries come in is when we're not, that's, that's actually not um, adding to our goal or adding to our purpose or adding to those things. And I think there is a clear differentiate uh, differentiator there by just having boundaries versus having the right boundaries. Okay. What are your thoughts there? Great, great distinction. And let's, let's touch on that because when I bring up, like if, if you, you can have boundaries, so you're not working every night and every weekend, but I can also say, and at times that's going to be necessary. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. I was talking to our good mutual friend, Jasmine Starr, and I was complaining about something that I was having to do in my business. And I said, why am I working on something I don't wanna do? And I'm 14 years in now. And she's like, babe, 
Of course, we're going to work on the things we don't want to do because we want to get to a specific place that we really want and desire. And sometimes that means showing up in places or ways that you don't necessarily love, but it's part of what needs to happen. And I am all for that. But so I think you're right. You know, boundaries, incredibly important and getting clear on what you want to work on and what you want to do. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is what do you want? What are you going for? What is your end game here? Because you'd be willing to do things that aren't necessarily your favorite to get to that end game. That is a boundary in and of itself. I will do the things that I don't necessarily love as long as they're going to get me to where I want to go. I love that. And I'm so glad that we clarified that because I think that sometimes when I open Instagram and I see the, the entrepreneurs that, you know, we're celebrating freedom and we're celebrating our lifestyle. It also came with a price too. And there's always building involved to get to whatever your goals are and something that's super important. And I think that I learned this along the way, and I'm sure you did was defining success on your own terms. That was something like, I think it's so important for us to be reassessing because it's so easy to get caught up in what's next in the chase and what's next in the chase, just continually redefining for yourself. If those goals still align with you know, where you are in your energy space or your goal setting as well. So, you know, what happened after year two, what clarity came about? And then, you know, you said, oh, now, you know, we see Digital Course Academy. We see all of these amazing programs that you have, you know, at least give us some details along that journey path from because it wasn't an overnight success. Uh, Very, very far from it. So I built this business that I hated two years in, I realized, I don't like my clients. I don't like the business I created. I have to change this. I was miserable. And so what I decided was I'm going to fire my clients. And I essentially did. I let go of all my clients and I was going to go all in with my digital courses. Now, before that time though, while I was still taking clients, I created my first digital course. I wanted to give it a shot, put it out there. And I made a whopping $267 when I thought I was like gonna make $100,000. Cause when you look around on Instagram, everyone's making millions. So I'm yeah. thinking I'm gonna make a lot of money with this. And so I created my course and I charged $297 for this first digital course. And my profit was $267 at the end because I only sold a few units and then I had to back out expenses. So I was devastated. I literally cried for a week and my husband had to tell me like, let's get out of the pajamas, let's get it together and like push me back out there because I thought I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur. This is way too confusing and hard and it's not even working. And so my first digital course was a big fat flop. but. Also, I would never be where I am today if that wasn't a flop because I learned instantly what I did right and what I did wrong. Like I didn't have an email list. You need an email list if you're gonna grow a business online. I was teaching something that I probably shouldn't have been teaching. So here's another desperate move Mm -hmm. I made in the beginning. I taught how to use social media to launch a book. I wanted to be known for something. I thought I could help authors. I had never launched a book in my life. So when I teach my students today to create a course, I say, you have to have gotten results for yourself or for somebody else, teach how you got those results. And I didn't get results in that area. So of course I didn't sell it well. So there's so many uh, mess, messy middles kind of throughout my entire journey. One was my failed launch. And then I started to make, I made another course and I made a few thousand. And then I made another course about six months later and I hit my hundred thousand, but it was definitely step two steps forward, one step back, the entire way. I, I love that you shared that. And especially, and you know, somebody actually told me this morning, 
I had an, uh, an interview this morning and the woman that I was interviewing, you know, I talked about, I asked her about her like feedback process and how she takes feedback. And she said something to me I've never, ever heard anybody say. She said, feedback is a gift. I was like, oh my God, I love, I, like I have to have her. I was like, I love that. And feedback is truly a gift and it's constantly, you have to be listening to, you know, your customers, what worked, what didn't, and be able to adjust. I think that is honestly, when people look at what are like the traits of entrepreneurs, it's not the smartest person in the room. It's the person who's paying attention to the details. It's the person who's willing to try something new. It's the person who's willing to change. Even if they, in, the, in your DNA, you're like, I want to be known for, to be a book author. You're like, Hey, this isn't working and be willing to make that pivot. And I loved it today. She's like, feedback is a gift. And I was like, I'm taking that with me. It is so true. Feedback is such so a gift. True. And the feedback can come in so many different ways. It could come from a peer. It can come from a customer. It could also come from the fact that you put a product out there and no one buys there's your feedback instead of saying i failed this didn't work i'm not cut out to do this which is all the emotions i had on my first launch it could be like okay so i've missed the mark i am disappointed this is frustrating but this is feedback and and essentially i did take it as feedback because then i switched and created a course i was more suited to create and so i agree with you if we if we just let all those lessons come in instead of blocking them and getting defensive it changes everything I love it. We call it here at CO school feed forward. And so that's something yes. it's really feed forward, but I love the gift concept of it because gifts are so special yeah. and that's what, that's what feedback or feed forward is. While the markets may have seen a dip in Q2 VC funding, it doesn't mean that your business can't scale. It just means it might look different to how you plan with thousands of in-house crafted integrations of marketing sales and service HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Want to figure out how to streamline your deals? Easy. The Sales Hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? Piece of cake. The Marketing Hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in one hub. And with Service Hub, Centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, forward. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Amy, you know, what are, so this is your now area of expertise. You've built an incredible business. You know, what are some of the top, you know, things that you can teach us tactically on if there's somebody out here that either is thinking about creating a course already has one, but doesn't know how to effectively market it. I think that's one of the marketing is such a broad term yeah. and the market does feel so saturated 
What do you say to those entrepreneurs in the room on how they can stand above the noise? Mm. So we, when we market uh, how to create a digital course, I have a program that teaches that. We ask once somebody signs up for like a free class, we say, what is your number one struggle with getting your digital course created and out in the world? And that by far it's marketing. The marketing freaks people out because we typically don't learn this stuff in school. And so when you start to build your own business, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a foreign language to me. And so the first thing I'll say is that, let's say you have a digital course and you want to market it. You have to think in terms of a marketing suite. And so, and things have changed so drastically over the years. So right now where we are in this season and this time, is that a marketing suite will help you immensely to get that course out into the world. And what I mean by that is looking at a few different channels that you feel like you could do well. So easy ones are you're gonna use social media. If you have an email list, you're gonna start emailing your list about your course. But, but from social media and an email list, the other one needs to be a sales vehicle, whether it be a webinar, a five-day challenge, a video series that leads to a sales video. We need a substantial sales vehicle. And most people that come to me and say, Amy, I have a course, but it's not selling. I'll say, how are you selling it? Well, I talk about it on social media and I email my list. And the biggest thing missing is that sales vehicle. And, and once you add it, and I think a webinar is the best way to do so, once you add it, it's like, boom, something clicks. And so that's one of the things that's often missing. But also, I think a lot of people are afraid to niche down. I've been talking to so many course creators over the last week. And one thing I've noticed is they'll put a course out into the world or any product, a membership, a mastermind, and it's like how to heal your anxiety or something like that, something very general, how to get healthy. And uh, what I'll always say is that you are literally getting lost in the sea of noise online because the more general you are, people cannot relate to you, they cannot find you, they don't gravitate toward you. But if you created a course, anxiety for postpartum moms, boom, you got them. Yeah. They're easy to find. You cut through the noise. You're talking directly to them. And when I encourage my students to niche down their product ideas, the first thing they'll say is, but Amy, I could help everyone. I'm leaving <laughs> money on the table if, if I just say I'm for postpartum women. And what I always say is those who need you will find you, whether they fit perfectly into your niche or not, but you have a whole sea of people that absolutely know you are for them when you niche down. It's a whole different world. I mean, aren't the riches in the niches? Yeah, exactly. The riches are really in the niches. And I do agree with that. And it, I think that when is the time to actually scale up is when you've actually tackled a vertical or tackled a niche. And then you could say, okay, what are the adjacent categories that we can then help grow? So I absolutely love that. And I want to come back to, you said webinar, you think is the best strategy from a sales vehicle uh, standpoint. We appreciate you saying that because there's so many different ways to kind of bring that out into the world. What about from an advertising standpoint, right? So you've got your organic, you've got your paid. What are some of your, you know, the best kept Amy secrets on actually getting more people to go sign up for that live event or for that webinar? 
Okay, so a few different things. So let's take a webinar, also known as a masterclass. There's a lot of different words for it, but I'll tell you the reason why I love a masterclass or a webinar is that if you're gonna sell something, you get like 30 to 45 minutes just to give amazing value. I have this mantra on all of my webinars. No matter if they buy or not, they walk away feeling excited, inspired, and driven to take action no matter if they buy or not. Mm -hmm. So my best self is coming forward, no matter if people spend money on me or not, and it builds a lot of authentic trust. So that's why I love webinars so much. You get to teach and you get to sell. But the best thing, so number one, I save 80% of my ad budget during any launch for my webinar uh, registration. So the bulk of my paid ads go to webinar registration uh, versus uh, that's right a hot tip page. right there. We got to write that one down. Like hot it's tip a big one. Like, that's a big one. Because I've not heard anybody's actually say that. Because most people will take, let's say if you have $20,000, which is a lot of money to spend on paid advertising during a launch, most people- $500 assume, or, okay. or, or yeah. $100, yeah. I just want to uh, put out there that my students spend $0 on ads because they're just starting out and I say, your first launch, do not waste your no, time on paid yes. ads. But let's say, yeah, 20,000 is a ridiculous number. Let's say you've got a thousand bucks to spend on ads. Most people would assume you send it to a sales page. You send all your traffic to your sales mm -hmm. page. A sales page converts at about 3%. A webinar, when done right, can convert 12, 15%. And also, it's a place that builds trust and it's free. So I always say spend the bulk of your money on your sales vehicle, webinar, sales videos, whatever it might be, not sending directly to the sales page. So that's one big piece right there. But also, something we've noticed over the years is that you need a show up live bonus. And so, what that means is that you, you tease this in your pre-webinar emails that you say, okay, if you show up live, I will make sure that you get this special PDF guide, cheat sheet, whatever it might be in the first minute you show up live. And what you do is you pin it to the top of the chat. Anyone who comes live, they get to click it and download it. And the reason why that's important is because show up rates on a webinar can be around 20, 25%, 30% if you're lucky. But if you have an incentive to show up live and you make that a thing, you've got 35, 40% show up. The more people show up, the higher your conversion rates. So having a show up live bonus, very, very important to get people to actually show up there. But let me back up just a second. How do we get them to even register for the webinar in yeah. the first place? So with that, sure, ads are going to help immensely, but a lot of my students can't afford ads just yet. So a few things that help. Number one, creating a pre-launch runway. The 30 days before your webinar goes live, before you start having people sign up for it, 30 days before you're creating content that's fully aligned with whatever your webinar topic and your digital course will be about. So you're putting out podcasts or blog posts or doing IG lives or posting on social, but the topic of those 30 days is directly related to that webinar. So when you invite people to the webinar, they're already engaged in this conversation. It's their next step. The 30 days before a webinar are crucial. I love this. I mean, we literally just got from the from the biggest expert the greatest expert in the field the the best tips to actually go have a successful launch and i agree with you i actually launched my first course this year and it was the ceo school program this is something that i've been wanting to do for years and i will tell you the reason i feel like besides obviously having amazing friends like all of you that have mentored me uh but i would say one of the reasons why i was able to have success on a on my first launch 
was because I understand conversion at every step. So funnels for yes. me are huge. And I think for entrepreneurs, we expect results so quickly, whether you are an online entrepreneur, whether you are, you know, own a retail shop, whether you have a SaaS company, whether you have an enterprise company, it does not matter. It's not like from point A to point Z. Your goal is to take your customers through a journey. And I think the journey is the thing that is what you teach, right? Whether it's for a webinar process, whether it's for whatever, we have to get somebody from point A to point B, then from point B to point C. And so what Amy's talking about is driving traffic first. So 30 days, that's okay. We're getting it started. Then we're getting them to register. Then from registration, we're getting them to show up live. Yeah. Then from showing up live, we're doing fast acting bonus. Then from there, we're taking them to the sales page and then whatever things come afterwards. And that's the piece that we have to be actively measuring is those conversions every step of the way. Cause you might honestly have the most amazing end sales page, but you miss steps like C and D and E to actually get them to act. Absolutely. So beautifully said it's that we call them micro conversions. It's okay. all the micro conversions all the way leading up till the big shebang, which is buy my product. And if you feel as though you can just go out and say, buy my product, I promise you it doesn't work like that. Maybe 15 years ago, we, we could have had some success, not today. So micro conversions are, are especially important. No, I absolutely love that. So digital courses, I mean, we know where to go. So if anybody like listening live, listening online, listening from wherever you're listening from, we know that Amy is our go-to course expert. So I know you've got a lot of different things for different stages of entrepreneurs along the way. So we'll link things in the show notes and I'd love to you know, uh, make sure that we have all of that in there. So if you're thinking about a digital course, you, we've got Amy as our, our go-to expert for CEO school. Amy, I'd love to kind of switch gears and talk about something that I'm really excited to learn from, from you um, outside of now doing the course is really the membership area, right? That community building thereafter. I think this is a huge part of, you know, uh, of that, of that journey of a customer as well. So if you could kind of talk us through kind of, you know, your community, how that came about, because I love to know the organic side of how you did it first so that we can learn from that. And then your tips as well there. So community is everything. And it's something that has constantly been evolving in my business. I've had from the get go, always have had a Facebook group, whether it be, I have a, a community. I hate that quite honestly, I'd rather it not be on Facebook, but right now we have done so many different tests and we have found that people engage more in my community if it's just as easy on Facebook, but it doesn't matter the platform right now. The idea of bringing a community together is so important for the growth of your business because that's where that no like and trust factor is embedded. And so we've always had free communities where I've added value and I've done Facebook lives and I've been there for them and then paid communities as well, where if you buy one of my course, you get into our special community, or if you're part of my membership, you get into a special community. And one thing that I know more than anything is that people crave connection now more than ever. And so for me, it's evolved into, it used to just be a community that like was peer ran and then a community where I had more of a presence because I wanted to add value, but then there's only one of me. So I've actually built up a community team. I have three people on my community team plus me so that we can support people in a bigger way and they get to know my team and not just me. 
And it's been such a beautiful experience. We know the people that we work with, we understand them. And here's the business side, the marketing side of building a beautiful community. I think I know my audience so well because I pay attention to what they say and do in my own communities. Like I know what they're thinking, what they think when they wake up in the morning, what they're struggling with, what they're hopeful about. I can talk about her all day long. And that's because I fostered a community. I agree with that 100%, especially in terms of connection. I think one of the this, I think I started backwards actually. So my journey here for CO school was complete opposite. The community started forming. And then I was like, then we looked thereafter. And I think that the, the women that I serve, they, their number one request was just meeting other entrepreneurs. Like it is so lonely being a female entrepreneur. And I think I'd love to kind of transition into more life stuff. I know, I know we're going to learn so much from you, but I'd love to kind of talk about Amy, the human, um, you know, on the other side, because it is so lonely. And I think we all crave connection and community at every single level, even today at, at my level today, I still crave community and connection. And honestly, the higher that I climb, the lonelier I, the smaller my circle actually Mm -hmm. becomes. And it's, it's so important to keep those relationships and foster those relationships. Um, and I wish I had, I wish I had started earlier to build that community earlier that I could still have that set of girlfriends that we're kind of growing together with. Uh, but it is so important. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship as a woman, um, and kind of how you're, you know, balancing, you know, your, your day-to-day with just being in a man's world. Absolutely. One of the things I write in my book a lot is about how I always felt like I needed a man to help me. So first I had a really strict domineering father, and then I had bosses that were men all the way up until I left corporate. And so uh, being one, being in a man's world, but also always having a man tell me what to do, when to do it and how to do it. That's something that I really had to step outside of so that I could be my own boss. And so I, I love that you brought this up. Absolutely being an entrepreneur, especially a female entrepreneur can be incredibly lonely. And you're right, as you get more and more successful, that for some reason that circle just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And one of the things I do about that is that I have a husband who's blue collar to the bone. He's firefighter and does not know anything about the online world. So I can't go to him and say, Hobie, tell, help me figure out this ad spend, that issue that I'm having or whatever. And so I have a few entrepreneurial girlfriends that I text every day. We do voice text check-ins every single day. And it's not a pressure thing. It feels really supportive. And I'll just be like, okay, tell me what you're doing today. Here's what I'm doing. And I'll just rattle it off. And I really do it more for me to get all the thoughts out of my head and just out there. But then she'll give me insight and feedback. And I find it so valuable. So I feel like every female entrepreneur should find two or three girlfriends that are in the industry as well, not the same job, but in the same space that you literally can reach out to at any time. They're my lifeline. I've called them crying. I've called them burned out. I've called them excited. They celebrate the wins. They celebrate the losses. They pick me up when I fall and I do the same for them. One quick thing about that. One of my girlfriends early on, we were texting back and forth years and years ago, and she just came out and said, you know, I need a little more from you. If this is going to be a real friendship, 
I need you to respond. I need to hear from you. She, I love that she told me what she needed. And I realized that she might text me a week later, I'd text her back. And I was, I didn't even know, like she even wanted that kind of friendship with me. But the minute I knew she did, and I knew I wanted it, it was like game on. So my point being, you have to be the entrepreneurial friend that you're looking for because it's not fair that you want it, but you're not willing to give it. So I had to show up in a bigger way for my girlfriends like that. I love it. And honestly, I think that our mastermind group actually taught me how to voice note. So I had never, <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. I had never knew. And now everybody, like my entire executive team, like is so annoyed with my voice notes. Cause I think it's the most efficient way to communicate, especially oh. if you're busy and you're running from places who has the time to schedule a call. It is the perfect median between text message and a phone oh, call. Good. And we're still over Zoom. So I, I love that. And I do think that this is really solid advice. It seems really basic. You know, any entrepreneur here listening, um, this is really solid advice. And this is a lesson that I learned the hard way until I got lonelier. And it's not that I don't have amazing friendships or I don't have, you know, I'm about to go, you know, hiking with my best friend from college. Like I have really amazing, deep friendships and deep relationships, but it is different to have a friend yeah. group that understands where you are in your business as well. And at the stage that you're at as well. And so investing in whether it's investing yourself, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's the give, whether it's even joining a community, right? That's also an investment. You have to invest yourself to get what you need back as well. And so I love that your friend called you out. I think it's the right, you know, it, it is, you have to give to, in order for you to receive. And yeah. I love that you shared that advice. I hundred percent agree with it. And, um, I'm still cultivating this next chapter of, of friendships as well. So, you know, I think that it's, I think, I think it's so beautiful. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, also, I love that your husband's a firefighter. That is amazing. Um, that's, that's incredible. He's, so you guys are completely opposite. Yeah. Oh, we couldn't be more opposite, but you know, what's really fun. Uh, for any female entrepreneur who has a partner, whether it be a husband or wife, if you have a partner, they might not understand the business. This is something I learned early on. He doesn't get the business. He doesn't get all the funnels and webinars and all of that, but he does get me. And, and it's important that I share my thoughts and feelings and let him in so that he feels part of the experience. If I put a wall up and be like, you don't get my business. You don't understand. I'm going to go to my girlfriend's. If I just did that, he'd feel very disconnected with me. And on the days that it's busy, on the days that I'm working like a dog and I have no time for him in the moment, he would feel very resentful. But I let him in. I let him know the challenges I'm having, the people problems. You know, we've all got teams and challenges and what I'm afraid of and what I'm excited about. I share that with him and he gets that part. So he feels like he's part of it. And when I got have the hard days, he's there to support it because he gets it. So it is important to let our partners in, at least at that level. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I I'm actually married to an entrepreneur and so we have to turn off. Work, yeah, I bet, you know, and we have completely different industries and businesses and completely different styles of entrepreneurship as well. So that's really helpful. Uh, but sometimes we have to turn it off because we're both like visionaries and idea generators. And so I swear to God, every, every week we're coming up with something new to go, to go work on. So we have to put ourselves on pause. And speaking of pause, it brings me back to my, one of my last questions that I have for you that 
And maybe something that I actually have not had a chance to, to tell you, I have, we haven't ha been able to connect in the last few months, but I actually took a six week, um, almost sabbatical from life. Okay. From and it was actually inspired by your sabbatical that I you, love this. And it, it's, it's a hundred percent true for the first time when I actually, a little bit of history for, for the community listening, I, um, you know, I, I joined a, just a female, like, um, entrepreneurship group with Amy and Jasmine and Sophia and just like amazing entrepreneurs. And it was just this amazing little bubble of, uh, just conversation we had yeah. once every six weeks. It was awesome, but I was probably one of the most, I, I mean, everybody had different businesses, but I definitely was one that had a unique, like a technology company. Yeah. And so my employee problems were a little different. My skill problems were a little different. And one of the things that, but I feel like I gained the most out of anybody in the group. And what I feel like I gained the most was actually when you talked about the freedom, like when you were talking about what you were inspired by was the freedom in your circle. That was one of the things that I was most inspired by being in the room, sitting with all of you was, man, I have so much, I have so much success. I've done so many things, but actually I still don't have the freedom that I started like 10 yeah. years ago when I started it. And this year I achieved the biggest milestone that I had ever set out for myself, which was hitting unicorn. And I felt like, I don't even know if that was my dream. Like I wanted to start a business. I wanted to go get to the next milestone and get a million dollar business then a $10 million business. And then we're at a hundred million dollar business. And I'm like, did I want this or did this just kind of happen because of the chase? And so a lot of last year for me was this learning about what do I like ask for the first time I asked myself, what is that I actually want in this next chapter of my life? And so you all inspired me and particularly you and how you decided to, you know, you take your time away and you're fully off and I did it. And it was the best experience of my life. Oh my gosh. I, found I so love this. Yeah. Okay. So I did a five week sabbatical this year. You did a six week and did you, one of the things that I did, I it was beautiful and I'm absolutely recommend it. One of the things I struggled with was really turning it off. Like it took me a bit of time to turn my mind off and stop thinking about and worrying about the business. How did you do about like stepping back and letting go? So I will also say that when I say the word sabbatical is probably not a true sabbatical as well. Okay. So I agree with you. I probably had dialed back work to there. I had two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks kind of off and on. And what had to, so the first two weeks were like straight vacation mode. I'm with my family. So I feel like that didn't even count. It was this like all of the vacation things you want to get out of the way. And then the next four weeks were really, I was like, okay, I really got to make this count. And so I got to get back into routine. I want to make sure I'm journaling. I want to make sure I have quiet time, like all the things that I'm actually looking to, to have a complete opposite effect in my life that I don't have yes. you know, home. So I try to establish really good routines. And I think that is when probably week three was when I felt, you know, it took about three weeks, I would say for my mind to fully turn off of work. And unfortunately I was still, there were still a couple of, you know, big initiatives and things that I I'd had to do. And I didn't go in this time being like, I'm taking a hundred percent fully away. So this was my baby step journey into, into just my baby step journey into it. And so, but it was, I mean, I, I would say I dialed it back at least 60%, it's I would say, which is a lot, which I said no to so many things. I came back and I said, 
I just reshifted my energy as well to like what's actually important. I've canceled so much stuff for the rest of this year. I've recalibrated, you know, CEO school. I've recalibrated my energy at stocks. I've recalibrated my executives team's energy at stocks. Like I've recalibrated so many different things. But to answer your question, it was probably three weeks that it took to really turn the brain yeah. off. And I've heard that the more sabbaticals we take every year, it becomes easier and easier to, to turn off faster. So it's just, uh, it's kind of like an art and a science to take time away. And, and even if you just find pockets of time to fully unplug for a series of days, it makes a very big difference. And that's something that I didn't start doing till recently. I could have done it years and years ago. So wherever you are in your journey, you deserve to take time away from this business that is your baby that you love, that you're growing. Of course, your whole heart and soul is into it. But if you could take some days off or weeks off and come back, you will be even better. I love it. And I do agree with that. And that's one of the, the first episodes I came back for the season. And I talked about that. I, it wasn't about taking that much time away either. And now that was a decade of building. I'm able to be able to not only like you work towards those things too, right? We work hard yeah. to get towards those things. So, but that didn't mean that I couldn't have taken more time or in different pockets of time or actually unplugged. And so I think that whether it's three days that you have, or it's three weeks that you have, or at six weeks, whatever the, whatever the amount is, it's being intentional about it. And I think that was like my biggest kind of like, when I looked back, I was like, I, I could have, I had the same thing. I could have done it sooner. It didn't, I didn't have to wait 10 years to yes. feel like I deserved to go take it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know, it was definitely inspired. I love hearing well. that. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for the advice. Um, Amy, so what's next for you? I'd love to talk about, you know, kind of you know, as we're ending this, you have a book coming out. I want to hear all about that. Tell me all the things. What are we working on today? So right now at the moment that we're filming, I'm deep into launching Digital Course Academy, which is my signature program, helping people Ooh. take their knowledge, know-how and skill set and turn that into a profitable digital course from scratch. So we're really excited about that. But once the doors to Digital Course Academy end, it's all book. So I have a book coming out called Two Weeks Notice, and it's all about how to oh, leave behind what you no longer want and move toward uh, building your own business. And so it's a step-by-step -step guide to get started. And I'm really excited about it because I wanna help more women get out of the cubicle, get out of corporate, leave behind having a boss and step into being their own boss and calling the shots and creating a life and a business by their own design. So two weeks notice, it's not coming out until February, but we'll start launching it soon. I love it. I think it's gonna be, I mean, I know it's gonna be um, an amazing hit. What a beautiful title. And I, I know it's your journey. It's part of your journey. Yeah. As well as I love that it's a step-by-step edition. -step I'm so excited for DCA to be out as well. Uh, Digital Course Academy, for those that don't know about it, is like the signature program like for, for creating an online course. So if any of you are thinking about creating an online course, want to learn about creating an online course, have created an online course and it's, it's failed and want to know why, this is the course to take. Um, it is... It is Amy's best work, I will say. So I think it's my best work too. So thank you so much for saying so. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be linking, we'll be linking all of that um, into our show notes as well. And for all of you with some special codes, so you guys can get access to all of the exclusive things that I'm sure Amy's going to be doing thank you. Uh, for her special audiences. So we can't wait for that. Um, you know, Amy, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your, for your time today. 
Um, we've really just enjoyed having you here and just learning from you. And we wish you like so much success in your book. We can't wait for two weeks notice to be out. We will also, maybe we'll do that in our book club next February. Yeah. So we'll put that in as well, but I hope to see you soon in person. I know we've not been able to make that happen. I but know we're going to make it happen soon. I'm, I'm like, I'm always down to go to Nashville. So it's, okay. it's always a good time. So, you know, I'll be there when you're free. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much. I love seeing you shine and all the success you've had and how you teach your students how to build amazing businesses. So thank you so much for having me and I can't wait to connect soon. Thanks, Amy. We'll talk soon. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder, but getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.